Welcome back to episode two of the new Melbourne Vixens podcast, Finding Your Fearless, with me, your host, Joe Weston. Finding Your Fearless is presented by Deakin University. At Deakin University, every single course is backed by industry experts, so you can be confident you'll get the job you want with a degree employers want. Deakin University, progressive real-world learning. Today's guest is a very close friend of mine. We met a couple of years ago and formed a really fun and fast friendship, mainly over our mutual love of dogs. Today, I'm joined by Georgie Parker. She's played hockey for the Hockey Roos and gone to the Olympics before joining Collingwood in the AFLW. Now she's making her own way in the sports media landscape. Here's my chat with Georgie. Okay, we're recording. Oh, Georgie. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Thank How are you? you. I'm great. I've not seen you in over a year. I know. We are rekindling an old flame almost. Well, it is. It's been so long. You're not looking any shorter. You're looking absolutely terrific, Joe Weston. That's good to know. I've been doing all of these fun stretching exercises in my gym program. So good to know they've been paying off. Hopefully I look even taller. You look even taller and your posture is fantastic. Oh, my mum would be very proud. But <laughs> <laughs> Riveting stuff as always. We're starting well. Um, thank you for being my second guest on the podcast. Last week we had... Uh, Anthony McDonald, Dip and Woody playing footy. Not playing footy, you just had him chatting with you. Yeah, Anthony McDonald, Dip and Woody talking on a podcast. Yeah, with Joe Weston. Amazing. Yeah, no, it's great. No, happy to be here helping you find your way in the podcasting world. Thank you. Yeah, you're a media professional. I would not call myself professional in any aspect, even when I was an athlete. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's just make sure we wind back a little bit and use that word when required, but not not okay. with everybody. It's like it's like when they introduce someone, they're like, oh, star player, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I played three games of footy. Do not call me a star. But I like, you can call me a professional. Uh, no, actually don't. That's a lie. I'll call you a media star then. How don't do, do that. That's, that? E- that's even worse. <laughs> that's even worse. You can just call me a media battler trying to make her way in the world. It's a very hard, it's hard. It's a t- difficult little skill, just learning, getting better every time. Yeah, so we'll we'll circle back to that in okay. the current speed. That is a very, we, that's a, um, a real buzzword. It's circle corporate. back. It's corporate buzzword. We'll circle back to that, which means that we're just not trying to – we don't really know what's going on. We're just shelving it for now, but I'm just going to turn back the clock a little bit Mm -hmm. to young Georgia. You grew up in Adelaide. Oh, I grew up – you've not not done your research very well. I grew up in a small country town called Berry. Oh, I know where Berry is. The juice. The the juice. It is the juice. We had the big orange just next door, um, which is a very rundown giant. You know how there's big everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so rundown. It's the worst of all the bigs. The big orange um, had a really big slide from the top all the way to the bottom. But so a little little country town called Berry. Only about three and a half, four thousand people there. So little town, not much else to do. So. So uh, played a lot of sport. A lot of sport. We were meant to play a Vixens game there last year as a preseason match against the Thunderbirds, but because of COVID, uh, it got cancelled. So I still haven't made, still trick. haven't seen the big orange. No, I, don't, well, I genuinely don't even think it's in operation. <laughs> it's it was like I said, it was the worst of all bigs. But it's a beautiful little part of the country. It's on the river there, and it's on a nice big bit of the river. Um, a lot of athletes come out of Berry or out of that region it's mm. the riverland um not too far from adelaide so it's about three hours it's south australia south sorry australia. not adelaide but you played all sorts of sports when you were growing up yeah fell well i would have wanted to i mm. was that little kid that wanted to so i was 
um, doing all the footy clinics and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I get to eight and played a That's year. That's the cut-off age, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, and I get I get there and I was um, playing oh, – I played a, a season of netball. And you know me, Joe. I'm five foot nothing. I'm so small. You're um, speedy though. I'm very speedy. What a good little mid-quarter for sure. But I used to play basketball as well. So basketball was my first sport, basketball and tennis. And netball, I couldn't wrap my head around not getting near people. And I used to get so angry. For I, The whistle used to blow near me all the time. I used to get caught for contact and stepping. and uh, So it wasn't my sport. It was not my sport. Um, Georgie, I'm still getting the whistle blown <laughs> near me all the time and I am a professional netballer Do you reckon, using that word. Is there any sport in the world that gets the whistle blown more than netball? Oh, maybe professional whistleblowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Anyway, so I play a year of netball and I, I didn't like it because it just was a little bit um, at that age. You can you can be rough because you're a big adult and but you can't when you're eight. So I was like, Mum, can I go play footy? Oh, you can't. It's a boy's sport. And she said it broke her heart when you're telling your little girl who wanted to be a boy because of all the, they got to do all the boy things that you can't play just for no other reason than you're a girl. She's, I said, but that doesn't make sense. She says, I know it's not fair, but she just needed me to run. I was a little ADHD psycho. You just need – I still am. And she's just like, you need to go and run. So she gave me a hockey stick. She's like, I played hockey. She played hockey when she was younger. Have a stick, whack a ball and run on a big field. So – Got to play hockey and um, I loved it. I just took to it like duck to water, um, loved it. And it just went from there when I was 10. I said, oh, I'm going to go to the Olympics, mum. And she's like, oh, yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. Because where most people probably would recognise your name and face from is when you used to play for the Hockey Roos. Hockey Roos. Hockey Roos. Yes, yes. One of the better Australian sporting team names Going around, I think. What's what's cool about us, right, is that you've got the Socceroos, right? Mm. Hockey Roos, Socceroos. But the Socceroos are the men's team. So people, when they go to the Hockey Roos, they assume it's the men's team. But we are the main name for the sport and the Roos after us. And I think it's really cool that that's gone to the women's team. And I think we had a lot of success as a women's team. Well, I think we're the most successful um, team sport out of Australia. We've had three Olympic gold medals. Um, we're world number one for a long time. Even when we... I was coming through. We're world number two. Didn't manage to win a medal at the Olympics. But we're a very successful team. We have been for a really long time. Um, so people know our team, even if they don't follow sport or follow our sport, they know who the hockey roos are. So it's a pretty pretty cool to be part of that. It definitely is. And you came through the elite hockey pathway, which probably would have been a bit similar to netball's elite level pathway maybe circa 10 years ago, semi-professional sport. Did you get paid at all? Yes, we got paid. So I didn't work. Um, and it's kind of – it kind of goes off of how – it's very government-based. Um, and then when we were there, we were lucky enough to get a major sponsor in Ausdrill. We're based over in Perth. So we've got Fortescue and Ausdrill spon- and sponsoring us, big mining town. So we were lucky enough to not have to work, um, and which was awesome. You know what, full-time athlete life is just – the best. It's just the best. You just wake up, go to training at a normal hour. You're not there at 5 You're not a.m. You're not there at 5 p.m. after work either. Um, so we're away a lot as well. We're away, you know, some years. I was away for five, six months of the year overseas um, with big six-week stints at a time, um, which is tiring and really hard to manage a job. Um, so I just made sure I studied. And a lot of – we're all still – we're not getting paid as much as footy players. So we – 
still make sure that we've got things when we come out. So we're really well balanced, I think, in that way. Yeah, I feel like most people that come through the sporting pathway normally have a bit of a, not a side hustle, but a backup plan mm. in case things go wrong. Because <laughs> At just, 20 or 23 and you'd... There's no just, security no. in um, elite sport that isn't a commercial, fully commercial enterprise, unfortunately. And when you're like ours, I, I mean, I don't know about the Diamonds, um, but with ours, it's year by year. You don't get a contract of, oh, you're going to be in the hockey roost for three years or mm. it's very much performance-based. So you don't know if you're going to be in there next year. So you do have to have a backup plan, whether it be study or um, some kind of working kind of gig that you know that you're going to come out of. Um, where there's, you know, footy players, for example, have, well, I've got a five-year contract, four-year contract, whatever. So you do have that leeway and a little bit less pressure on you, I think, as well. It definitely relieves the pressure and gives you, I think, freedom to play without worrying about Mm -hmm. consequence. But you got to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about that. As a non-Olympic sport participant, it was never something I wanted to do when I was younger, but I am very jealous, I think. I am jealous. Well, you went to the Com Games. I did, but that's... I feel like that's some people would deem that the Olympics poor little sister. Oh, we think that all the time. We <laughs> my housemate just walks in. Abby Holmes has just walked in the door. Here she is. It's okay. You can. <laughs> Hi, bye. Abby Holmes. She's a celebrity. I know. I live a celebrity walk. It's hit. a celebrity celebrity house. <laughs> she tried to do that so quietly as well. <laughs> um. Uh, Com- well, we joke about that all the time because we go to Com Games as well, clearly, and uh, we we basically don't lose at the Com Games. And I mean, our girls got a silver in twenty eighteen. We also won a silver medal. We were both I- uh, identical. We both lost to New Zealand in uh, the New Zealand. Com Games finals. But no we that was our first silver. We got gold every other year. The men have never not won gold. And we joke about it all the time when people go, oh, yeah, but you've got a Commonwealth Games gold medal. That's amazing. And I go, yeah, but who doesn't have one of them? Which I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't, dismiss, I shouldn't dismiss what we did. But it is in that. So you don't have these powerhouse nations. Maybe a bit different. What is a bit different for netball? Because mm. your World Cup teams are the, basically the same that go to the Com Games. Um, but for us in hockey, we don't have Argentina. We don't have Holland. You don't have Germany, these big nations that are coming into it. So... Uh, the Commonwealth Games are a big step down, really, for us for that. Um, but the Olympics was awesome. It was just it, – it's the Com Games ten times. It's thousands and thousands of people and it's a pretty amazing. You walk around and you think, you know, you see these famous people that you idolise. You're like, I'm competing at the same event as them. It's really um, – makes you feel like you've really achieved – like you dream about that for 20 years. It took me 20 so cool. years to do that. Um, and it, it's – the further you're – remove yourself from it I think the more you appreciate it I think because we didn't do so well we came fifth um, bombed out bloody New Zealand beat us in our quarterfinal how do they do it every time they just seem to play the best when they play us they didn't go they then lost every other match after that they dropped us out of the quarterfinals and then they lose their next two finals so like frustrating very frustrating but because I think we bombed out and we went in there about World number two when we went in and came out fifth. So really disappointing from us. I didn't want to think about it for a while. Like mm. I didn't like bringing it up. I didn't like talking about it because we didn't do well. But the further I'm away from it and the further I – the more you realise actually that's pretty incredible, the things you've done to be there. And um, sometimes it just doesn't work out. You've got two-week window to perform your best and sometimes it doesn't work out. And that's sport. You've just got to remember that that's sport as well. 
It is such an amazing achievement. And even as you're talking about, I'm like, oh, maybe I did pick the wrong sport. Oh, no, 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 no. You chose a great sport. You're one of the best in the world, Joe, at your sport. You haven't um, put your uniform on for me today, your Olympic uniform, which I am a bit disappointed about. I can go grab about, it if you want. But we can circle back to that. I will, you before, <laughs> I will for the photo for this. I'm going to go put on my Olympic blazer. Amazing. It's yeah, very – the ultimate professional, some would say. That's, it's a bit of a flex. It's a massive flex. It is um, a little bit. So what do you think about uh, the Tokyo upcoming Olympics? Do you think they're going to go ahead? Do you have any – what's your call on it? Oh, it's so – it's a really difficult one. I feel so many different feelings around it because you've got clearly this worldwide pandemic which – is horrific it's mm-hmm. the damage is just going worldwide and you look at places like india where it's just running rampant the, the olympics is the last thing on their mind um the japanese as a country you know i think they did a sur- uh, survey last week saying 60 percent of japanese people don't want yeah. the olympics going ahead and i mean we went to rio and they didn't actually even want us there when we got in there it wasn't like you know london it's wild everyone was so excited because they're like us they just are obsessed with sport they've got the money and they want it to be there Mm -hmm. in Rio you felt a little bit like the crowd was very hostile towards you not the crowd the crowd wasn't even turning up yeah there um, were people there to watch because they didn't want us there there were there were people there were protests about us not wanting to be there so I think when you don't have it's going to be a very strange Olympics I think once it got starts and the competition goes ahead it's going to be very I mean Everyone, eyes will be watching. Everyone will be watching. Um, But I think it's a really difficult one. It's kind of completely – every country is going to have this completely different preparation as well. I think it's um, integrity-wise. I don't even know how it's going to be fair because there's countries like us who have been living normally, essentially, for a year, Um, whereas all these countries haven't. They've not been able to get out and train and do these things. So it's going to be a really interesting one – I think it's really leveled out some places in some sports so hockey for example I think you know it's going to be anyone's Olympics because nobody's yeah. been able to play as a team individual sports you can still train so and you can you know they're very isolated in what they do they just haven't been able to race meet Europeans so they can still compete we haven't been able to leave our country mm-hmm. so it's a very different one in terms of preparation um, I think once it gets here we're we'll really excited because we all get on the Olympics and think we're gymnastic experts or diving experts, don't we? I'm a badminton I, expert, that's for sure. I'm diving. Big splash, bad dive. And, you know, you watch... Pretty gym- straightforward. You watch the gymnastics. Mm, her toes weren't pointed. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, girl... What about fencing? Or, you know... I don't know. I don't know a rule about anything, but I think I'm an absolute expert. It's sh- shooting's pretty obvious. You hit a target. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. How do they do that? It is amazing. It is isn't amazing. It? But it's so funny when you're walking around the village and you see all these people and you clearly can pick gymnast, um, cyclist, because you can have big, strong legs, gymnast size, basketballer. You see an old person walking past, you know, 50 year old shooting archery <laughs> archery it's incredible because they can be there or like um equestrian mm. it's incredible just the ages and it's it's there's funny little sports that maybe we could reinvent ourselves as um equestrian maybe so i could get to go to an olympics <laughs> what I, was I did take up sailing for a small period of time with remember the, this the bid to get to paris, paris i remember this in 2024 still possible um are you too tall for sailing or are you good for your apparently being tall is good because you weigh more so that means you can literally you know throw your weight around but i do think i've got the wrong 
like makeup of my legs are too, too long. long. That's what I was thinking. You're you too tall. You need to have a swimmer's build where they've got a long torso uh, and shorter legs, so it's easy to move around. Because I was standing on the boat, and I, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to see it. It wasn't, it wasn't a glamour. I just remember sport you, for me. You sending me pictures of yourself. I'm on a boat. <laughs> yeah, that's what a professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking like I could get to the Com Games again for lawn bowls. Yes. Yep. Definitely. It's pretty competitive, though. I think. No, but I've got a long time to be able to do it. I don't know if they let you use the uh, the claw at the professional level. Ah, if that's what you've been using, it's like when you use the uh, little ramp when you go temping bowling. <laughs> Performance enhancing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what other sport would you do if you could do it. Probably sport? sailing. Okay, so that's or legit. tennis. But that's, that's too hard. Some people tennis might be a little bit tennis competitive. What do you think? I th- maybe a little bit. I'm not sure. Just a little bit. There's not many people that play tennis in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after you finish playing, speaking of reinvention, you know you finished up your hockey career, mm-hmm. and then you decided to come back home. So I was come back home to AFL. Well, yes. So I after Rio, I went and played in Belgium for a year. Yes, so I lived in Belgium. Great place to live if you're planning on moving somewhere. Great place. Chips every day. Waffles. Waffles, chocolate, beer. It was just the perfect way to – like I'd finished playing hockey. I said, you know what, I don't want to do this for another four years. No, I was was actually playing Playing hockey. It's actually the perfect elite athlete environment. (laughs) (laughs) I'd finished playing international hockey, I should say. Um, I thought I wasn't going to be able to do this for another four years. It's very – Olympics, Olympic athletes have to think in blocks. Mm-hmm. So that four-year blocks is just – it was so overwhelming. Like physically I'd be able to do it, um, but mentally and it turned out perfect thing to do. I was to not to say, you called it at the right I time. I did, I did. So I was living over there and it was a perfect way to wrap up kind of my hockey time, um, put on heaps of weight. It was awesome, 10 kilos. Put on 10 kilos and I get – I remember getting back and I was like – Holy moly. <laughs> and I, I had to put myself in a chocolate ban. I had no chocolate for five months. Five months. Five months. I had to. I was – I'm not tall, so 10 kilos. It's not that much, I'm sure. You were enjoying yourself. I don't think you should be limited. I'll yourself. show you my face. I don't post on Instagram for five months. It was bad. <laughs> You've anyway. gone missing. She's gone missing. <laughs> Everyone's like, is she all right? She's just, th- she's yes. just posting throwbacks. S- someone was like, oh, you've not been to Mexico. So, oh, no, I was. like, oh, you didn't post about it. I'm like, oh, no, it's because I was a bit porky. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> no, highly I just, doubt that. And I was just living my life, to be honest. I was just – I was genuinely so happy. I was living my best life and it was so, so great. But while I was over in Belgium, I get this random oh, – the, that's when the first season of the AFLW started. Mm-hmm. And I was in Switzerland for a pre-season – Hockey trip. We went We went skiing for our pre-season trip. I love that. That doesn't That's sound dangerous at all. It's, it's just <laughs> – honestly, I'm like, this is so Dutch. This is just so stupid. We're down in this couple of chalets down in Switzerland. It was awesome. Um, and uh, what was I talking about? Oh, so – And then the um, – I know the AFLW started playing. And I see – I was like to my team, like, girls, come and watch this. This is the first ever game of Australian Rules footy. I put it on. They're like – wow, there are so many people on, what is that going on, what's going on? Because, as you know, it's like really rough, like as in the skills are really raw back then as well. So nobody knew what was going on. The game was amazing. Um, the atmosphere, I could feel it from there, you know. Like yeah. it was spine tingling for me as a as a little girl who said you can't play. To be able to watch that was just amazing. And, and to share that with these play- people who had no idea about it and <laughs> just blew their minds. Um, and then a couple months later I get a um, – a message from Collingwood. 
hey, Georgie, how are you? This is really random, but um, have you ever thought about playing footy? We know that you're not playing um, hockey anymore. Have you ever thought about changing my... <laughs> look at this. So my partner, oh, look at this. This is so silly. Look at this. And he goes, he's like, Collingwood. He's a Collingwood fan. Oh. Collingwood. It's just like, oh, you should do it. You should do it. Then suddenly I get Adelaide Footy Club coming to me too. Oh, two people knocking at the door. And then Fremantle. And I was Three? like... Three? And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, maybe I should. I'm like, I'd be really silly too. And so in my dream as well, after I had this, my dream was to always work in AFL media. Mm-hmm. I studied journalism and PR at uni. And I always wanted to be like Sam Lane was my idol. I used to watch her oh, going. She was the only woman that was working on the AFL at the mm-hmm. time. I was like, oh my God, I just want to be her. I want to work in that. And I was like, do you know what? I've never played this game. I've never been able to play a full game of footy. Give it a crack. I was 27. I wasn't old. No. There's, no. And that's really that's young to stop now. sport. You, you shouldn't retire. Don't retire at 27. <laughs> and I was like, okay, do you know what? Um, and you look not a day over 25, girl. Oh, my God, thank you so much. Um, and I was like, okay, do you know what? Just let's see what happens. Um, and so I'm learning this game at 27. I signed with Collingwood because I wanted to be here in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, for in the career, thick of it? In the thick of it for career prospects. It was really hard. I was a Crow supporter growing up. Ooh. I was obsessed with the Crows, like – the first thing I ever bought with my pocket money was a Crow's Guernsey, ever. To have saved up $2 a week for six months to get this Crow's Guernsey. Still got it upstairs. I should put that on too. Does it fit you? Um, it's very snug, but I can get it on. That is very impressive. Yeah. I, I don't think I would fit into anything from when I was a child. No, but you're also 12 I'm feet tall. I'm about six foot tall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not so tall. So like you, when I coach juniors, they're just like, um, which one's the coach? I'm like, the one with wrinkles, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> from behind, you can't tell. No, so um, yes, yeah, so I'm with Collingwood and it was amazing. It was a very humbling experience because mm-hmm. I've gone from being one of the best in the world to being the worst in my team. Uh, and that was the biggest hit to my ego. Ever. Can you imagine that? Like I've gone from being so confident and sure of myself in what I'm doing in a a sport that's a very skillful sport, hockey. Mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult to a sport. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do anything. I didn't want to ball. I didn't – and it was was very strange to be this one that was always a hunter to being a little bit uh, withdrawn in how I played. It was a very bizarre feeling. So I got myself as fit as possible. Mm-hmm. My hockey coaches were seething because they're like, like where what? was this? Yes, 100%. They're like, um, I, I said to them, I said, oh, guys, I came second. This was to my coaches. I came second in my hockey coaches. I came second in the 2K time trial. And they go to me, what? Was everyone else walking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was only two of you in the race. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what out of two? Because um, I, I'd got myself never got like I'd probably only get myself at that fit once. Other than that was when I was coming back from knee injury. So I was like, oh no, I just worked really hard. Um, so I got myself as fit as I could because I knew I've got to do that. I'm not going to have mm-hmm. these skills and um, just learn as much as I can. But it was very, very humbling um, and very. Um, yeah, it, it it was hard. It was really hard. There's nowhere to hide in a sports team or on a field, especially when you are learning a new As an skill. adult. Yeah. As an adult. So it is very humbling and really challenging. So kudos for you to actually it, take that on and do it in a public sphere, not just, you know, oh. at the park down the road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was, it was kind of just like as an adult, when you're a kid, everyone's bad. No yeah. one's good doesn't matter. You've got one kid that can do everything and no one else is mm-hmm. any good. But you're learning together yes. and they're teaching you together. Like I had to be there and I had to have this assumed base of knowledge 
that I had to go and learn, do all these extras and spend more time doing, which was fine. I've got no problem doing that, but it was really, really difficult. Um, I only managed a few games with them. Um, I broke my foot the second year I was playing, yeah. um, which really, when you're my age, learning a new skill, learning a new sport, having six months out, not really ideal, um, mm-hmm. but it was – by that time, I'm like, do you know what? I it's actually I'm really tired. I'm really tired of being stressed every time I go to training because yeah. it was very stressful. It was a completely different type of stress than when I played hockey. Mm-hmm. Hockey was like a performance stress. This was like a I'm tired and and stressed of learning and letting people down because you're not as good stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but your learning curve's huge. It's incredible how because you know how to learn as an adult as well. So you kind of know, all right, this is how I like to do it. So it's very strange learning something as an adult than you are when you're a kid. It was was really weird, very weird experience. I feel like it's a great experience to have though and something that most people probably don't do in their lifetime because they don't get the opportunity to do it or they're too scared. Yeah, 100%, I think. And it kind of, I put it in like the rest of my life now. Like I kind of go, you know, it's a sink or swim. Just give things a go now. Mm -hmm. And I go go and do things like, you know what, I've never done that before, but – We'll see how it goes. Yeah. What's worse can happen? <laughs> you don't get asked to do it again. That's it. You that's, give it one, one chance. And that's, then. Yeah, exactly. And so I just kind of take it into the rest of my stuff now. But like, you know, when you start coming out of sport, you'll know how much there is a transition and a crossover from sport to the real world, we call it. <laughs> the real world. What's and it I'm, like out there? Oh, well, I still don't know. I'm still like battling <laughs> along. I'm just like, I'm trying to put off having a full-time job as long as possible. I'm 32. I tell people I'm 28, but I'm 32 and <laughs> and I'm still avoiding work like the plague. I just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're doing pretty well for yourself. So Thanks you so decided to step away from football. But I think actually having the experience of playing probably gives you even greater insight because you technically technically are an ex-player I am an ex-player. Now. I'm an ex-player. I get all the AFLPA ex-player perks, which is well, great. Do you? Oh, yeah. You only have to play one game to have all of that. That is interesting. Um, for Simone, you to know my coach, if, she's, if you're listening, <laughs> I didn't hear that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. You only need to play one player or one game. So um, you, you're right. And I think having my – Olympic background as well mm-hmm. it solidifies me as an athlete but then having a couple of years of playing footy helps me able to have an insight into a footy club into playing a game I've still played games and I still played you know I played waffle and VFL and things as well so I still have this experience of playing so it helps me transition into my role of working in the AFL media of oh she's not just a female journo it then goes all right she's a female journo qualified she is then a um an athlete First and foremost, as an as an Olympic athlete, and then oh, she's also played as well. So it kind of just finalised me as a as a person trying to work in the outside world. You're definitely a fully formed media professional. <laughs> Not professional. How have you how have you found the transition? I know it's a pretty male dominated industry as well. So can, getting your foot in the door can be difficult. Um, how have you found? I think branching out it's becoming easier and easier in terms of opportunities they um i think people are more um people want to are okay with listening to us now Mm -hmm. as women um i think probably even five years ago they probably think tokenistic 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 and i think um it's becoming more and more once you start hearing people you just become used to it you know it's you're not the first and um you know there are people who paved the way for paved not paved paved 
<laughs> on a path paved their way for um, people to come through. Um, but it, it is difficult and it's being sure of yourself. I'm pretty lucky that I'm a pretty, as you probably know, pretty confident in myself and I don't let um, big egos win very often. I am the one that makes sure that they know that we're just as um, accomplished as they are and that mm. they shouldn't just because they played it the boys' version. It doesn't mean it's any better because um, the competition is a competition no matter what standard you're playing or level of or gender. So I just make sure that, um, you know, they don't take advantage of, of women and I try to help as many women as I can along the way. I think there's plenty of space for all of us. You know, I live with Abby Holmes as, and, you know, she's someone who's, you know, she's everywhere, Abby everywhere. And, um, you know, people go, how do you live with someone else that's in your industry? And I was like, well... There's enough space for – there's not mm-hmm. only one job for one woman yeah. in this space. There's plenty of work out there. Um, and, you know, the better she does, the better I'll do and vice versa. So it's it's a difficult place. Um, I'm, I don't cop grief from the boys and I think that's the way to do it. Just be strong. Yeah, 100%. I do think that both you and Abby and everyone else who's in that industry are just continually raising the bar – and people forget, I think, that such a large percentage of the people that watch AFL specifically are women. It <laughs> it just makes me weird. Like, but the thing is, the the angry voices on social media are men. They're all men. They're just yeah. the ones that feel the need to voice their opinions and sometimes. It's, and it's jealousy. It's and I think I don't. I don't read into. I don't really give two hoots about what people online are saying. You know, it's the whole thing of. Why worry about the negative comments of somebody you wouldn't go to advice for? Mm-hmm. I don't care about what they're saying, so it's fine. Um, it just seems that there's a lot of the angry voices are often male voices. So I think if you can change them slowly, it's not we're not trying to change the world. We are trying to change the world, but you've got to do it in a process. Yeah, it's not um, going to change overnight. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know, I work in an um, I'm the only female in in a workplace that's just me and about eighteen men, and I I've in the last year have noticed the change in their language, the Ooh. change in um, their actions behaviors, and how yeah. in the behaviours. And that for me is you do that. And then if they change the, the language of a couple their, of people and they friends. do it, yeah, and it, it spreads. So, I mean, that's all you can do and you can only worry about those sorts of people. So it's really nice to see somebody about to say something and go, actually, that's not the right thing to say. Yeah. Um, and I, I love seeing that. It's because it's progress and change and it's changing habits of, like, their entire life. Yeah, years their and entire years life of... of getting, yeah, getting, you know, Uncle Johnny in the back saying, oh, women can't play sport. Mm. That's what you're trying to change. And so, but kids nowadays have no idea. They just see women on TV and it's awesome. Well, I saw – my mum said that she was out walking Billy, my dog, for me. No, actually, she was on the way to our Vixens game on the weekend and she was on the train with this woman and she had two sons, mm. little sons, and they were both wearing Vixen scarves. And I was I like – She did say she asked them who their favourite player was and they said me and then she said, I'm Joe's mum. And I was like, mum, are you trying <laughs> – Sorry, are you trying to just try to claim your own place in the netball? I love sphere that. now. She is. That Trish. is so cute. Very popular public figure. Trish well, is. I look. <laughs> I look at. Um. I look at my my cousin's got a few a couple of little kids, and he literally would just watch the women's footy mm. and would know all the players' names. It's amazing. And who 
talk about them all and he's a little five-year-old and he's just obsessed with footy. He's going to be like the next Bruce McAvaney. Like, do you know one of those little kids? Mm-hmm. Just obsessed with it. And he'll talk about it and he'll be like, oh, well, this happened and that player needs to do this and it's just – that's going to be the norm. Mm-hmm. People are just going to start talking about it and, and watching it and um, you just need the people who aren't interested in it to just be interested in it quietly. I, that's what I don't understand. If you're not interested in something, like I'm not interested in the stock market, you don't hear me going, I hate the stock market. <laughs> you could if you wanted to. I could. But you decide not, not to. Not to because nobody should care. <laughs> I, don't, I just – it just makes – it just – What a negative my, energy, isn't it? My mind – I just don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense to be actively angry about something all the time. Isn't that tiring? I find, I find it would be – Tiring. Yeah, a bit fatiguing. I don't do it that often, but when hate I do, something. I just don't. Yeah, I hate mushrooms. I hate olives. <laughs> olives. Do be fair. Olives are a food ruiner, and I get I very hate passionate. Mushrooms. Mushrooms are in everything: pizza, pasta, meat pies. What are you doing there? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing there? I bite in, and I can just sense it. I don't even have to olives. taste it. Olives. Okay. You hate I olives was, that much. I was in. I was in Argentina, and I was so jet lagged, and I was so tired, and I was so hungry. That is the the the, the trifecta. <laughs> that is the trifecta. And I went to this place. It was this tiny little town in. It's called Tucumán in Argentina, and uh, they don't speak a lick of English. And this was. We went and did Spanish courses after this trip because I tell <laughs> you what, I just needed to learn how to speak. Si, senor. I, honestly, and I was like, um. What's this? I was trying to order a salad. What's this? And he's like, um, um, green vegetable. Green vegetable. What do you think? Broccoli? Cucumber. Yeah, like you think something, right? And I'm like, oh, all right, I'll get that. Came out. <laughs> My friends, it comes from behind me. My friend looks at it and her eyes just light up. She's like, oh, no, this is not going to end well because everyone knows I hate olives. Mm. It, was it was just a giant bowl olives <laughs> and she just goes I just she comes out I just wanted my heart just broke I just oh wanted no. to cry you know when you're, you're jet lagged and you just want to the only thing if you had a hangover to that and it's the worst that's oh. the quadruple and I was just like oh my god she goes you can have my quiche and she, <laughs> that's so nice of her she ate the bowl of olives it's just salt just pure salt it's just salty grapes. That's what olives are. Well, they're awful. They're horrific. <laughs> anyway, that has got nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, but, I, I, <laughs> you know, you I mean, you finished up with hockey and I think we were talking about this off mic just before about a little bit what's been going on behind the scenes at Hockey Australia and in the lead up to the Olympics with yeah. selection and things like that. I know from uh, conversations I've had with other sports people that sometimes – when you're in a team environment like that, it's difficult to speak up and voice your opinion of things aren't probably going that well because you're worried about jeopardising your selection or yep. the coach's input and things like that. And I, especially dependent on uh, where you sit in the team. Mm-hmm. There were certain players who would probably feel really comfortable with saying that because there's no way they were never going to not get picked. Yep. You know what I mean? Um so it is really difficult. Um, I was really lucky. I really enjoyed my time yeah. in the hockey ruse. My coach, post career, has said to me, "Oh, I was actually probably really the hardest on you, and I'm sorry for some of the things I made you do and some of the things he said." Um, but in my mind, he sat me down one day and he said, "And this was like kind of a shift in my career." He said, "Oh, I see you. Like, I really like you as a person. You're really funny. Get on really, really well with you." But right now I'm being your coach. And so once I could differentiate those two things yeah. because – and this is where 
sport becomes really blurred because some people can't put those two things in different categories and they think, you've told me to do that, that's bullying. When it's not, it's getting the most out of you and you need these hard messages in sport. So it's really, really hard. There's a lot of blurred lines that aren't in normal workplaces mm-hmm. um, and there's different expectations on you, you know, especially in, in sport with your body. Your body is your tool. It's your what you need to be able to do your job. So in women's sport, especially when we're talking about um, uh, body image issues, it's really, really difficult um, and you've got to be very sensitive and it's not one size fits all in how you speak to people. Um, the problems that were going on with Hockey Australia, what happened there was the board was neglectful with multiple times when the girls said, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you feel as though you don't have support from above, it becomes a really ugly, toxic place where then people yeah. are trying to go, okay, well, nothing's going to change. I'm going to make sure that... Um, they're trying to change it from down there, which doesn't work. You need it. It's a. It comes from the top down um, to have happy athletes, and having happy athletes is what you want. Um, so the the hockey Australia situation. I'm so thankful I wasn't there, but at the same time, my heart broke for these girls who were getting selected for the squad for Tokyo and not wanting to be part of it. Yeah, thinking I'm not happy here. There's it's toxic from the top down. Um, and I don't want to train. I don't want to do that. Like it's meant to be the most exciting time in your life. You're meant to be working so hard and it's meant to be an uncomfortable time. Being mm-hmm. an athlete is hard. It's challenging. It's challenging. It's uncomfortable. You're never, ever fully confident. You've got to be confident in a way, but you're always pushing yourself. You're getting feedback from your coaches. You're getting feedback from your teammates. You're getting feedback from everywhere. And you're wanting to consistently improve, which is challenging. It's meant to be like that, mm-hmm. but it's not meant to be – it's meant to be challenging in a way that you know that that will help you get there. But it's and, safe. And it's safe. And it wasn't for these girls. And so I'm so sad for them to have this period in their time, which was meant to be the most exciting, and it wasn't. And we have, we've had a group there of a bunch of current players and some ex-players that were trying to help get things changed. I felt like I was really putting my PR – um, background to use there <laughs> because I was delegating interviews. I was making sure that the girls were there like, what should we do? How should we say this? What should we write in a letter? All mm-hmm. these things. And th- we named the group Make Hockey Roos Great Again. <laughs> Put a little hat with Make Hockey Roos Great Again. Donald Trump. <laughs> I like Donald Trump. And, um, and you know, I guess we made change in terms of their, their coach got removed and their high performance manager got removed. Um, but, you know, we're six months out from the Olympics, not even at this stage. And um, it's yeah. a really unsettling time with a new coach um, coming in and it's it's difficult and I'm so thankful I'm not there um, but hopefully this helps them settle and um, you see it not just in our sport, it happens in multiple sto- sports, just this um, power, differential of power mm-hmm. um, of, you know, gymnastics. Is, it's come out, you know, all around the world with gymnastics, especially where they're essentially young children. And they're getting this abuse of power. So horrible. Yeah. And it, it is really hard, like I said, because it is a really fine line of being because you're constantly striving for the best. And I think sometimes as well, bad behaviour can be masked uh, – bad behaviour can be masked by good performances. Yes. So if you've got good talent around you and you're getting a good performance – it doesn't matter. People go, but they're winning, they're winning. It doesn't matter about any of that kind of stuff. I would much rather be in a team that I'm be happy and have a team that's continually 
looking after each other, family like a family, than getting a gold medal any day of the week. Yeah, well, I think there'll be a lot of eyes on the hockey roos when they take to Tokyo yeah. in a couple of months' time, and hopefully, it's made a lot of change for the better. Although a bit disappointing, probably how it's panned out yeah. for some of the players and some of the staff. But yeah, I think Tokyo is going to be amazing. Are you going to do a bit of work? Is that what's next for you? I've got yes. Yeah, so I'll be working with Channel Seven in their. They're doing a, a daily show called mm-hmm. Armchair Experts. So I'll be with Adam Cooney on that. So he's Sounds the like actual armchair expert there. Like professionals. Very You're an armchair professional. Well, I'll be the professional. Okay. He'll be the absolute battler. Amateur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it'll be great to be able to watch. It's a great time zone. Um, oh yeah, much much more uh, easy, easy to facilitate than Rio or London. Oh were. my God, there were so um, broadcasters licking their lips because it's going to be our time zone. So it'll be great. It's just going to be a really interesting atmosphere with no they literally these athletes are having to go in, compete, leave. It's crazy. So do you know what I actually really feel for these girls because our competition goes for two weeks, so they're going to be there. You can't leave. You're going from the hotel or from your – I don't even know if they're in – they're not in a village. They're in a hotel. Hotel, training, hotel, game. That's all they'll be doing Yeah, for two weeks. It's not like a, a hurdler who's going to do their heat, semi-race, the three days, four mm-hmm. days, whatever, or, a, you know, it, it, rugby seven scales, they take three days, who come in for three days and leave. So that'll be tiring because you're only in for a short period of time. But imagine two weeks of just hotel. doing that hotel – like and it will be a Japanese hotel, which is small. They will. Be you wouldn't small. even fit. I've been to Japan a couple of times, and Do you I heads? feel like I've yeah lost a few brain cells from just forgetting to duck so under small. doorways. They're, yeah, it's perfect for me. <laughs> but it's small. It's small. Yeah, I don't know whether we recently went to New Zealand with the Diamonds crew and we had mm-hmm. to quarantine for two weeks. So I wonder if there's any shared knowledge potentially as to how we weren't allowed out of our rooms for the first. Five days, mm. and then after that, we were allowed to leave. Well, then they have to quarantine when they come back. That's even, and I worse. think they have to quarantine going over. Oh my god! So I'm pretty sure it's six weeks. It's so challenging. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, but I mean, it's a miracle it's going ahead. It's a once in a lifetime. I know, and oh, that's what's yeah. really sad is that these people you really do only have one shot logistically for the mm-hmm. Olympics. Lucky ones get two. Yep. And the very, very lucky, talented, and it is partly luck because you've got to be good body-wise right in form for two weeks out of essentially eight-week period, eight years. That's actually crazy four years when you think side. about the proportions and the percentages of that. Yep. So, like, you know, I've got friends that are going to their third Olympics. I'm like, God, you're lucky. Like, I was injured for London. I went to this and then i too old for this one, but I'm not too old. But, you know, you stepped it's away. stepped away because I wouldn't be able to do it. Like... Some people are either incredibly lucky. Got another friend played, was did a knee three months before London, did a knee a month before Rio. You know what I mean? Like it is for the Olympics, and that's why it's the longest preseason in history. <laughs> and this is why you party after because they're like, oh, what's it like after? And it's like, okay, you know when you finish your season of sport. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about, Georgie. No, let's talk about the boys. So when a footy player <laughs> finishes their season and they go wild. Their season goes for six months. Yeah, that's true. Can you imagine yours going for four years? <laughs> for four years. Well, last year was long enough when we had the world's longest preseason, I thought, before <laughs> we went to Queensland. But that pales in comparison, four I think, years. to a four-year Because essentially you've got all these other games and things, but they don't matter I, compared no. to that. I would, ta- I would give away my World Cup silver. I would give away my Commonwealth Games gold. 
any of my other medals that I've got, I'll give away for that for an Olympic medal in an yeah. instant. Um, it's, yeah. It's pretty, pretty yeah. special, I think. Well, I think that's probably, we're hitting the time zone. That I mean, I'm sure people could listen to us all day. Yeah, well, we were saying maybe we should start our own potty. Perhaps. But um, I also am severely inappropriate. So I'm not sure how much could actually go to air. <laughs> maybe that might be for a different <laughs> a different audience. Well, Georgie, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jojo. Um, I'm sure people will see you on the TV screen sometime soon around the AFL and the Olympic yes. coverage. Yes, and I think so. And best of luck with it all. Oh, my God, thanks, Jojo. It's a pleasure to see your shining face as always. <laughs>